So anyways, happy Valentine's Day. I'm glad you're here on Valentine's Day. You know, love is in the air, and you chose to be here. Like, you didn't choose to go be with your partner or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, uh, unless they're here with you. But anyways, so it's good to, or just good to see you guys. And if you're new, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad that you choose to be part of our community. And tonight, we're actually continuing a dating and, or dating and relationship series called A Beautiful Design. Uh, and so we're taking three weeks. We started it last week just to talk about God's design for, for love, for, for marriage, for dating, and, and for sex. And, and the reason it's called A Beautiful Design is because we believe that God's design is just that. It's beautiful. It's something that should be marveled at, something that should be championed. And, and God knew what he was doing when he set the relationship up at the very beginning in Genesis 2, when he set up that, or, or it's where a man and a woman come together, and they leave their father and mother, and they become one flesh. God knew what he was doing, and, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that's why we call it a beautiful design. We believe it's beautiful, and we believe it's or just wonderful, and it should be celebrated. So uh, just last week, we talked about godly love. We took the whole time, we uh, talked about four different kinds of love. So the cool thing about the Greek language for the word love, there's four different words you can use. So I'm not going to go through them again, but uh, there's friendship love and, and affectionate love and just these different kinds of love, and they mean different things. For us, we say, hey, I love hamburgers, and I love Jesus, and I love my mom. And those things are very different, but there's no word to use for the different types of things. But in the Greek, they had different words for love. And typically throughout the scriptures, what we see is that they use this word called agape. So it's this agape love, which is godly love. It's or it's a love of self-sacrifice. It's not, ooh, I have good feelings in my tummy, but it's, hey, I am going out and laying down my life for other people. And we talked about how God calls us to do that as Christians, to go out and put other people before ourselves, to put God before ourselves, to put other people before ourselves. And when we live that way, that's where we're going to find joy. So our culture tells us, hey, if we live our lives the way we want to, if it's all about like making me happy and just getting a bunch of stuff for myself and, and feeling satisfied uh, or, so, or with all the pleasures of the world, then we'll be joyful. But I think many of us know that that's not how it turns out typically. When we think we get what we want, it typically leads to despair. Like, hey, is this all there is? You know, Tom Brady, he's won five Super Bowls. There's an, or there's an interview with him. Uh, I think it was after his third or fourth uh, Super Bowl ring, and he said, is this all there is to life? You know, winning Super Bowls? But the thing is, as God tells us in the scriptures, he says, the way to find life is to lay down your life for other people. So that's what we talked about last week. And that needs to kind of undergird our entire series as we talk about dating and marriage, especially marriage. Because marriage is not about you getting your happily ever after. Although, like, maybe that will come with it. But it's really about choosing to lay down your life for someone each and every day. That's what agape love is all about. That's what the Bible talks about. When Jesus says, go and love one another, he's saying, go and agape one another. He's saying, go and lay down your life for other people. Jesus isn't saying, hey, go feel good in your tummy for other people. You know, it's not just butterflies. So that's what we talked about last week. And now this week, we're going to get into more of the nuts and bolts of dating. And or to be honest with you, I never really dated in the, or the traditional sense. So uh, you know, dating is taking someone out on a date. I think in our culture, we've kind of twisted it to, hey, we call someone a boyfriend or girlfriend. And that's kind of what I did. When I was in high school, I had two girlfriends, and both of them started by me saying, hey, I like this girl, and just texting them or sending them instant messages on AOL, saying, what's up, girl? You know, sup, not too much you. Hey, you want a date, pretty much. And then we go hang out at their house. We, you know, whatever kids do, and then we're boyfriend and girlfriend. 
So I didn't really take girls out on a date. And then when I came to college, I didn't really do that with Emily either. So I met her the first week on campus. If you want to throw up this picture here. Um, so if you see those diamond earrings, we need to bring those back, baby. Come on. So, so this was, what, five and a half years ago now. And that was at Buffalo Wild Wings after Kyle service. So I'm telling you, for some reason, our B-dubs game is just like slacking this year. I think it's because we're on Tuesdays now. Go to B-dubs. You can meet your spouse there. That's where me and Emily totally kicked it off. Uh, so come to B-dubs tonight. There'll be 10 of us there, and you can, yeah, hang out anyway. So, so, yeah, so what we did, we didn't really go on dates. We just hung out in big groups of people, which, guys, that's a great way to get to know the opposite sex. Like, hang out in groups of people. Kyle, people should be hanging out with each other. Like, not so you can find a spouse, but but hang out with each other, and then if that's what God wants, then maybe that would naturally happen. And uh, yeah, so our, or the first time we hung out uh, was at B-dubs, like I said, and then there was one time we studied together, you know, studying together for, for uh, Humanities 1 test. It was the worst thing ever, uh, or I did terrible on those tests. Um, then the second time we hung out was, if you throw up this picture, of the next one. Uh, so that's in my dorm room back in Norin 204, I believe it was, and uh, so we're in a group of people again, and we watched The New Guy. You know, what a romantic movie to watch, The New Guy. Have you seen The New Guy, or is everyone too young here? Okay, like four, okay, one person. Tom's seen, yeah, Tom's like 27, so let's go, baby. The New Guy is a great movie. Actually, I don't know. It's probably not appropriate. I don't remember. Don't watch it. Uh, but uh, yeah, then there was one more time we hung out, and she came over to watch a movie. I fell asleep in two minutes. She woke me up 15 minutes later. Hey, I think I'm going to go back to my dorm. So anyways, I was not romantic at all when it came to these dates. And then we became boyfriend and girlfriend out in the middle of campus. There's a bench by the West Gym. It was 3 a.m. in the morning on October 16th, 2011. And I handed her a sheet of paper that said, hey, will you be my girlfriend? And, and I, I can remember looking across campus. What's that? I have no idea. Well, I, t- I think I did pencil. But anyways, uh, so I can remember looking across campus, and I just said to her, I said, this is the last time I'll ever be single. And then I asked her out. And I knew from that moment that, or that Emily was going to be my wife. And it was really cool you know, that, that we knew that because we were able to date very intentionally going towards marriage. And we'll talk about that tonight, how, how as Christian people, we should date intentionally. We shouldn't just date to date or so we can put it on our Facebook, hey, I'm in a relationship. And then awkwardly, two weeks later, it just disappears. No one knows what happened. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. So anyways... Uh, like, we need to date intentionally. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And I do believe that for most of us, especially if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, you want to date well. You want to date the way that God intended it. Like, you want to honor God sexually. You want to have proper boundaries in your relationship. But the problem is a lot of times we don't know how to do it. We jump into these relationships. We haven't done any study on it. We're like, hey, let's just be boyfriend and girlfriend because that's what everyone does. And then we start doing physical things and it goes on this path. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, what do I do? I can't get out of this. I love this person, but we're doing things that are dishonoring God. I don't know how to set up good boundaries. I don't know uh, or how to fix these mistakes I've made. So the hope tonight is two things. One, I hope for those of you who aren't dating yet that this could be kind of a platform for you to stand on and say, hey, I'm going to take these principles and I'm going to take them into my dating relationships so I don't make the same mistakes as other people are making and some mistakes that or that Emily and I made. And we'll talk more about those at uh, Brotherhood, Sisterhood United. So come to that if you want to get just a real talk. Uh, it's going to be amazing. But anyways, and then for the other group of you who are in dating relationships and you've made bad decisions, I pray tonight that you would rethink some of the things you're doing in your relationship. And I pray that you would find forgiveness 
and that you would set a new path and chart a new course so that you can honor God up until your marriage and then after your marriage. So that's my prayer for you guys tonight. This is going to be a good night. I'm just believing for it. And if you're married, don't go to sleep. I think there's like a couple of you in here. Uh, I think Jesus could want to challenge you to, to maybe like rethink some of the ways you dated so you can pass it on to, or to other people or maybe to repent for some of your sins during your dating relationship. So don't go to sleep. And if you want to stay single forever, that's amazing too. The Apostle Paul says that's an honorable thing. He says that's a good thing. That's from God to be single for life. So if you want to be single to advance the gospel, then that's amazing. So I hope you don't feel left out tonight. But we have to address this because if we don't, we're going to keep dating poorly and keep getting ourselves into bad situations. So just like last week, I want to ask yourselves this question. Am I the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? Or if you're married, am I the spouse that God calls me to be? Or am I the person that God has called me to be? So tonight as we talk about dating, don't forget that God wants you to know him and love people with this agape love, this self-sacrificial love, before you should step into dating. Don't skip over the pre-work of getting your heart right. Don't just jump in to dating relationships But instead, say, I'm going to become the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for instead of just jumping into relationships because it makes me feel good inside. Make wise decisions. Be a wise people. I pray that that's what we would do tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. They call it different things. Uh, Chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray for us. Jesus, I pray that your presence would continue to be here God, I pray that I would just be a mouthpiece of your spirit and that you would speak through me. God, I pray that they wouldn't even hear my voice, but that they'd hear you speaking directly to them about their specific situations. God, I pray that if there's people in this room who are preparing to date, I pray that you would give us the proper tools and principles so we can date well and date in a way that honors you. And God, I pray that if there's people in here who are in dating or dating relationships, I pray that you'd help them, if it's not healthy, to get it healthy, to to repent of sin, to, or to make some changes and to get back on the right track. So God, I pray that you would just be with us tonight and that you would speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you probably have not read Song of Songs or Song of Solomon unless you've done the Bible in the year plan. It's kind of a weird book. Uh, before I get into that, though, the main idea tonight is this, if you want to throw it up there. If you want to have a healthy marriage in the future, then you need to date according to God's design now. So our basic principle, and then the title of the sermon is Part 2, Dating by Design. All right, so as I said, Song of Songs, you may have read this before, and oftentimes people read this book as an, or as an allegory about God and our relationship to Him. If you read it that way, it's a little creepy, though, because it's talking about sex and things like that. So in my opinion, I don't think this book is necessarily about our relationship to God. I don't think it's supposed to be spiritualized like that. Instead, it appears to me that, or that the song is nothing more than a celebration of love done right, of people who took principles from God and dated, well, not really dated, we'll talk about that. I mean, there wasn't really dating back then, but people who honored God in the way that they pursued their relationship. I think it's just kind of a blueprint for how we should date, and it's a celebration of God's romantic love that, or the romantic love that God gives each one of us, or it's possible if you want to pursue that. So, and I think, the song of, I think the song is also an example of God redeeming our broken world. So, or so one area that our world is extremely broken in is in this area of romantic love. You know, the divorce rate is on the rise. People are questioning the institution of marriage. 
People are having sexual relationships outside marriage. Children are being born out of wedlock. So I think God ordained the writing of the song so that each of us could see a re- or just a redeemed picture of romantic love. And that romantic love is something to be enjoyed by God's people within the parameter of God's loving boundaries. I think that's what it is. So tonight we're going to go through four principles, four marks of a healthy dating relationship. And I'm going to rely on this book called, or it's called Loveology. If you were in Kyle for last year, uh, we did a whole series called, or called Loveology. It's this book by this guy named John Mark Comer, and he's the one who identified these four principles. So this is not original to me, so I just want you to know that so I'm not plagiarizing in Jesus' name. All right. So the first, or the first mark is this, the chase. If you got your notebook, write this down. The chase. God has called the man to pursue the woman and to lead the relationship. And I use that word lead really loosely because I don't want you to think that the man's in charge or that he just says, this is the way it's going, woman. Follow me. No. It's this loving leadership. And we'll talk about that as Jesus displayed. So anyways, towards the beginning of this song, we see the man pursuing or pursuing the woman. So let's read it. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. The voice of my beloved Behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains. Is that you, Keaton? Just leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills? It says, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows. I can totally see Keaton in Sydney, just Keaton's, you know, gazing through the windows and looking through the lattice. And my beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, and my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, and my beautiful one, and come away. So if you notice in this passage, twice the man calls the woman to to arise and to come away with him. So in a sense, he's asking, or, or the guy's asking her to hang out. He's saying, hey, come out on a date with me. And the man is wooing, or, or the man is pursuing, or pursuing the woman, and he's leading in the romantic relationship. So I know that in some circles that this can be a crazy concept. The idea of a man leading a woman or pursuing a woman seems so first century. I mean, we're equal, right? But, you know, the Bible says we're equal as men and women, but there's different roles for us. And, and in this case, we see that the man is supposed to pursue or pursue the woman. The man is supposed to chase, to, to draw the woman into or into relationship. And then verse 14 says this, Oh, my dove, I love reading this. This is amazing. In the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, and let me see your face. Sorry, <laughs> I was sick last week. <coughs> and let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. So notice the man says, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. In a sense, the man is encouraging the woman to come out of hiding. He's saying, hey, you're safe with me, baby girl. Come out into the open. It says, your voice is sweet and your face is, is lovely, sugar plum. <laughs> the man is lovingly pursuing the woman. He's declaring her beauty and saying, I want you. And it's important to note that this is not a one-way street. It's not like the man just saying, what's up, sugar? And she's just sitting there all like creeped out and, and he keeps forcing, her, or forcing himself on her. No, there's mutual interest here. So guys, if the woman says she's not interested, then you need to leave her alone. Stop texting her. It's annoying. Don't send Facebook messages as well to see if they see it, okay? No. Don't do it. Stop. If she says no, stop. But the woman is definitely not just 
sitting passively by waiting for the man to pursue. In the very first uh, stanza of the book, she says this. So verse 2 of the first chapter. She says, let him kiss or kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. So she's saying, come on, let's go. Kiss me. Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. So this girl wanted him as well. It's not just like he's pushing himself on her. But the point is, the guy's job is to, to chase, to pursue, to ask out. Don't put that on the girl. So guys, if you're are sitting around waiting for a girl to pursue you, and you're doing it wrong, they're not going to pursue you, potentially. Probably not. Some do, but probably won't. But obviously, use your brain and make sure that she's actually interested in you. If she says she's not, then leave her alone. Like, no more Facebook messages in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. <clears throat> so God has called men to lovingly lead. And not only in the dating relationship, but actually more specifically in marriage. So there's only so much leadership that God wants to give a man in a dating relationship. Because that's not even like a biblical relationship. There's no like, hey, you're dating now, and then there's rules in the Bible. No, it's either you're single or you're married. So in marriage, it's even more so. So let's read this. Ephesians 5. Verse 22 through 25, this kind of gives us a picture of God's design for the relationship. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. All right, we stop there. Like All the ladies get mad. They're going to go march or something because it's saying submit to the husband. But, but don't stop here. Okay, we're going to keep going. Verse 25, don't be offended. I'm not offending anyone. Verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So he says, yes, you know, wives, you're supposed to submit to your husband who's the head, but, but he's saying, husbands, you're, or, saying, or God's saying, your model is Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He hung on a tree for us. So that's the call for us men. So don't think, yeah, my wives can submit to me. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to sit on my easy boy or easy chair, whatever it's called. I forget. Drink my beer. Watch the Hawkeyes. She'll bring me my beer, whatever. No, no. Guys, men are called to lay down their lives for their wives. Like we're called, you know, you're not married yet, but guys, like when we get home, I don't have kids yet. But dudes, you're called when you get home, like not to be like, hey, hey, you know, I'm done. I'm tired. No, you get your butt on the ground. You play with your kids. You help clean. You do all those things. You lovingly serve your wife as Jesus served us. So that's your model. That's what leadership is in the Bible. Leadership is sacrifice. Leadership is servanthood. Leadership is not dominating or charging or intimidating. So guys, if you thought you're going to come here and say, hey, submit to me, woman, you're wrong. If that's what you think, well, you don't have to get out of here. I hope you stay. But anyways, <clears throat> so we have to be careful, though, to applying this to dating relationships because, you know, guys, you're not like your girlfriend's husband. You're not. There might be someone else, actually, that God has planned to be her husband. So don't you dare act like you have authority over her. And girls, come on. And girls, if your husband is not submitted to Christ, you better not be submitting to him or letting, you, or letting that guy lead you at all. We don't want boys who can shave leading us, women. So have some better standards. Kick him to the curb if he's not following Christ. I said that last week. I'll say it this week. Probably say it again next week. Like ladies and men, we need our partners to be submitted to Jesus. If they're not submitted to Christ, don't date them. If your boy can't lead you spiritually, then you should consider ending the relationship. I think that's a good principle. All right, so I'm going to go to the next point here. Second thing is the line. God calls us, and this is the big one, all right? This is the big one. Get ready for it. God calls us 
to pursue purity and to set up proper boundaries in the dating relationship. So both people in the song are charged with sexual desire. Sex is a good thing. It's amazing. It's from God. It's made to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. And in the Song of Songs, they get sexual. I'm just saying. Throughout this entire song, they are sexually charged, but they keep coming back to this powerful phrase. So let's read chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. She says, His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Like, they're married at this point, okay? And she says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles, or the, is it the doves, or the doves of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. So they're enjoying sex. They're enjoying intimacy in marriage. And she says, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up or awaken love until the proper time. It's like this woman is pleading with each of us today saying, don't give yourself to someone before you're married. She's saying, if you wait till marriage, it's going to be amazing. She's enjoying it as she's saying that. She's saying, don't stir it up before marriage. So here we go with the question I get all the time. Throw it up there. How far is too far? Or where is the line? All right, so let's unpack this. God created sex for marriage, okay? For marriage, not for before. But the, but the reality is, especially in our culture, we are sexualized long before marriage. Therefore, we deal with all this temptation before marriage. There's tons of te- or temptation. So the question is, what is okay before marriage and what is not? To the woman, she's not asking this question. She's not saying, how far can we go? Instead, she's saying, when can we start? She says, don't go anywhere sexually before marriage. She says, wait till marriage, and then when marriage comes, you go all the way, baby. That's what she's saying. She's saying, there's not this question of how far is too far. It's saying, when can we start? Because we weren't, guys, we weren't designed to stir up sex a little bit and sexual desire and then say, oh, no, no, we got to stop because we're getting to that point. No, God has called us to wait patiently until marriage and then go all the way because that's how we were designed. And any of you guys who have done anything with someone else, you know that. Like, you know that like, if you start kissing and making out and cuddling and all that stuff, you want to go all the way. That's how we were made. We're supposed to want to go all the way. But stop stirring it up before marriage. It's not how far is too far. It's, it's saying, hey, baby, when can we start? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. So Matthew 5, 27 through 28, Jesus gives us a very good boundary line for how far is too far. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus says, the line is not, you know, adultery or anything like that. He's saying the line is lust. The line is lust. When you think a thought, a sexual thought, and if you're cuddling and making out, and you're not thinking those thoughts, I don't know who you are, but you're crazy. The line is lust. Don't go anywhere near the line before the wedding day. We should not awaken sexual desire until we can go all the way. We don't want to just awaken just a little bit without, and then say, oh, we'll do a few things, and we just won't do more. So or the, author of the, or the author of this book gives us some really uh, good reasons why sex is bad before marriage. All right, so let's go through these. The first reason that sex is bad before marriage, because that's a fair question to ask. Hey, hey, why do we have to wait? Is it just some rule that God has, some arbitrary rule? So the first reason is this. This Hebrew word, akad, okay? So this Hebrew, this Hebrew word, akad, for, or is the word 
for one that God uses when he says two will become one flesh in Genesis. Well, Moses wrote Genesis, and Moses uses this word akad. Two become one flesh. That's what happens when you have sex or you get married. When two people have sex, they become one, and they're bound to each other. They're, they're bound together at their deepest parts. That's what that, that word akad means. They're fused together. So if you do this before the covenant of marriage is made, then you bind yourself to someone who, are, who you are not in covenant with, and you could drag out a terrible relationship longer with someone that's not meant to be your spouse. On the other hand, when you do break off the relationship, it's very painful because you've become a cod with this person. It's very hard. Second reason is this. Sex obscures your vision and judgment. When having sex with someone, you can't clearly decide if that person is right for you. Like We all know that person who's with someone that they shouldn't be with, but they don't listen to us because they're having sex and it's obscuring their judgment. There's so many relationships. If, if people just would not have had sex, I'm like, wow, you would have broke this off so, or, or so long ago, but you drug it out for years because you're binding yourself to this person. Sex obscures your vision and judgment. You don't want that obscuring your, or your objective judgment of if this person should be a spouse. And the third thing is this. You cannot build a relationship on sex. It has to be built on friendship. You know, these other loves we talked about last week, friendship, love, affectionate love, a little bit of eros love, but just the romantic kind, not the sexual kind, and then agape love. It has to be built on these other kinds of love. It can't be built on sex. Because then when you stop being so sexually charged, you're like, hey, what are we going to do? I got to be honest with you. I enjoy a great conversation with Emily way more than I do sex. I love sex. It's good. But I enjoy having a good riveting conversation with her about something than I do that, although that's an amazing thing as well. So I'm telling you guys, don't build your relationships off of sex. It's a terrible thing to build it off of. So if you want specifics on how far you can go, this, this is what I'll say. Don't go to the point of lust. So this is my advice. Don't make out. Don't cuddle. Don't kiss for extended periods of time. Don't kiss at all if you're up for that. I think that would be amazing. I didn't do that, so I'm not going to say you have to do that. But I encourage you guys to consider that. Don't press your bodies together. Don't do those things because those things are going to make it harder for you to refrain from sexual activity. And guys, if that person is not going to be your spouse, you're going to really regret those times that you pressed yourself up against them. I'm just saying. But if you've already passed these lines, I, I want to say that it's not too late to make changes. You can repent. You can get right with God. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He gives us a fresh start every day. You can set new boundaries. You can begin a new journey. Jesus loves you so much, too much, to, or to allow you to, or to settle for less than his best, which is off the charts sex inside of the covenant of marriage. Okay, he wants you to have great sex, but inside of marriage where it's safe and secure. Can I get an amen? All right, we're going to the next one. You're all pretty quiet in here. All right, the third thing is this, the friends. God calls us to invite, to invite wise counsel into our relationships. So what we see throughout this song is it's not just a story of two lovers. There's also friends in this story who are evaluating the relationship and they're speaking into the life of the relationship. So Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 4, he said, or it says, We rejoice and delight in you. These are the friends talking. And we praise your love more than wine. So the friends are approving of their love. They're saying, hey, you're on the right track. So it's good for us to get advice and approval or disapproval from our friends, our family, our pastors, our small group leaders. Come on, somebody. 
into our dating relationships. If you're not asking anyone what they think about your relationship, then you're doing it wrong and you're blocking out people who God could use to speak truth into your life. Invite counsel into your relationship. Say, hey, where am I missing the mark? Are there ways that as a couple we could advance the gospel better together? Okay, sometimes when we get so wrapped up in another person, we get so wrapped up where it's, you know, PDA, all that kind of stuff, we're actually choking what God wants to do through us to other people because we're so infatuated with this other person that instead we're not able to reach out to other people. And a friend could speak that to you in a loving way. So ask a friend, hey, are we doing things that are preventing us from advancing the gospel or from reaching out to other people? Emily and I really needed to hear that when we were dating in college. We really needed to hear that. We were obsessed with each other. And I didn't reach out on this campus very much because I was too obsessed with getting our wedding planned and all this other stuff. We'll talk more about that at Brotherhood Sisterhood. But I'm just saying, we weren't perfect. So when I say these things, it's not like, Emily and Daniel, they were perfect. They were amazing. No, we screwed up in a lot of areas. So I'll share more about that. But anyways, uh, let's look here. Chapter 5, verse 9. It says, How is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? How is your beloved better than others that you so charge us? So, when the couple encounters conflict, the friends here are jumping in to help. They're encouraging her to see the good in her lover, to remember all those things she loves about her husband and to focus on that. So you can also get encouragement from your friends saying, hey, like, like your guy is amazing. He's, he's great. He just blew it in this one area. Give him some grace. Guys, we need our friends to speak into our relationship. Outside perspectives can give great input. They can give wisdom, clarification. They can rebuke us when we're being stupid. We need to be rebuked more often in our culture. You need someone in your life who's willing to rebuke you. We need to allow people to rebuke us, not get so stinking prideful that that if anyone says anything against us, we're just going to push them away. I want people to rebuke me. I want them to say, hey, you're missing it here. And there's people in my life who do that. There's lots of times I get rebuked. I don't always like say, hey, that's amazing in the moment. But it's good for me. It's good. It's good for you, especially when you're dating. Get some rebuking in your life. In Jesus' name, that's good stuff. That's Holy Spirit right there. So I know uh, this whole idea can just seem crazy because we live in this culture of hyper-individualism. But guys, we need to embrace this communal aspect of dating. We need to bring our communities into it. We need to allow people to speak into our relationship, to affirm us, to rebuke us, to offer advice. Are you seeking the or the advice of others on your relationship. Are you seeking that advice? If you're not, I pray that you would. And we have to be honest with people, too, when they ask us questions. We have to, to, to be honest about the good and the bad. We have to confess our sins to people. We need to be open. If you're struggling sexually in here, and you're in a dating relationship, or you're not in a dating relationship but struggling sexually, it applies for everybody, or with any sin, you need to confess it. Get it off your chest. Guys, there's nothing you're going to tell me that just really surprises me. I've heard just about everything. So bring it to me. Bring it to someone, and we can pray about it. Proverbs 28, 13 says, it says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses, so he says, I'm doing this, says, I'm doing this wrong, and forsakes it, so says, I'm rejecting this, I'm not going back to that, that person will obtain mercy. So we need to invite people to speak into our relationships. We need people who we can share our struggles with. These people aren't our final authority, but they can help us hear from God. And the biggest thing to get, guys, is Scripture says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace 
to the humble. So in our dating relationships, we need to walk in humility. I think the biggest thing we're afraid of, the biggest reason why we don't share our struggles is we don't want people to tell us to break up with that person. But I'm telling you this, guys. If God wants you to be with that person, then he'll work it out. If you're doing really stupid things and your counsel is saying you probably should take a break, trust God enough to say, hey, I'm going to take a break. And if we're supposed to be together, he'll bring us back together. We need to trust God more. That's what the song was about. We need to trust God in our dating relationships. And sometimes we're making people into our spouses because we don't trust God to bring us the right person. So we're saying, hey, I better just, or just settle for this person. That's not trusting God. Saying, hey, you know, he's not really a Christian. Well, he is a Christian. He goes to church like once a month. So, you know, I think it works. You know, I'm at Kyle for every week. I'm going hard for Jesus. I'm in small group. He goes to church once a month, so he's a Christian. You know, we're good. That's not trusting God. Because the scripture says, do not be unequally yoked. It's saying, do not be with someone who's not a Christian. You need to trust the Lord in your dating relationships. We need to trust God. All right, the fourth thing is this, and then we're done. The journey. God calls us to be intentional in our dating relationships, and it should be done with marriage as the ultimate goal. So we're going to read this passage quick. It's just a description of their wedding day. Verse 6 through 11 of chapter 3 says, What is that coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh, or something like that, and, and frankincense, myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of a merchant? Behold, it's the litter of Solomon. Around it are 60 mighty men. That's a big wedding party. 60 mighty men. Some of the mighty men of Israel. Solomon was a boss. He had so many friends. All of them wearing swords, an expert in war. You know, they got swords, crazy stuff going on. Each with a sword at his thigh against terror by night. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of, of Lebanon. That's pretty cool. Uh, and, he, and he made its post of silver, its back of gold, its seat of purple. Okay, we'll skip down to verse 11. Go out, O daughters of Zion. And look upon King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. So this whole song is building to this, to this wedding day. And here we get to see how beautiful it was. There's friends there. He's wearing a cool crown. He's got this really cool carriage. It's an amazing day. The goal has been reached, which is marriage. All healthy dating, or dating relationships should be going somewhere. They should either be moving towards marriage so we're, you know, we think this is good, you know, yeah, this is a good thing, we're going to move towards marriage, or moving away from marriage. You're saying, wow, this guy is crazy, no way I'm going to marry him, and then you break it off. They need to be on a journey. They don't just sit static. They don't just sit one place, and we're just going to sit here and be boyfriend and girlfriend, which isn't even a biblical relationship, and just play around for 10 years. No, it needs to be moving towards or away from marriage. God's given us a great or great freedom in the 21st century to actually date. You know, back in the day, they chose your spouse. Your parents chose your spouses. If you don't start getting intentional, God's going to bring it back to that. And you're going to get punished. You're going to get some crazy dude, some crazy girl. I'm kidding. I'm just getting off topic. But anyways, we need to thank God for that because it's a good thing to, or to be able to see like, how these people are. But let's do it intentionally. Let's do it like moving towards something. And if you're not, guys, if you're not ready to, or to get married for a long time, then you probably shouldn't date. Look at that. Go clap and let's go. I love that. So if you're 10 years old or your mom packs your lunch, then don't date. <clears throat> if you're a freshman in college and you don't want to get married until you're 30, don't date. That's just dumb. That's all it is. It's stupid. If you don't understand and practice agape love towards your neighbor yet, 
if you're not right with Jesus, then you probably shouldn't date. Because marriage is ultimately a decision to lay your life down for someone every single day. So, guys, you got to ask yourselves, am I ready for that? Am I ready for marriage? Don't start dating until you can see marriage in your near future. That doesn't mean you have to have everything figured out. You know, Emma and I got, I got married as uh, sophomores in college, and we pretty much had, you know, we had zero dollars, like no money. But God called us to do it and to trust him each and every step of the way. But there's still a principle, so, you know, we kind of walked into that before we really knew if we were ready or whatever, as far as, you know, finances and stuff. But there's still this principle that, that you should make sure you're ready spiritually and emotionally and financially to get married. So don't date until you know what direction your life is headed either. That's my, I mean, you don't have to have everything figured out, like I said, but just a general principle, you should know where you're headed because when you're dating, you have to say, hey, can this person go on this journey with me? So if you guys want to be missionaries to Africa, you probably shouldn't date people who want to make a ton of money and just live in America. That would be stupid because then you're going to get married and you're going to go down the road and be like, all right, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll split up. Like, no, that's not what God would want you to do. And then your dream gets completely destroyed because you didn't think about those things. So, or so, or so know what direction your life is headed and find someone going in that same direction. So build your marriage on Jesus, on obedience to his teachings and then I promise you, your relationship will flourish. Do the hard work. Work through these hard issues. Figure these things out during your dating years. Push past surface-level conversations to see if you're headed in the same direction. Don't just date someone because they're fun, let's be honest, to kiss, to cuddle with, to say they're our boyfriend or girlfriend. Don't do that. Date intentionally. I think the biggest encouragement I can give you guys who are single as well, you're thinking, hey, I'm not even dating yet. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Here's my encouragement. If you're wondering, when is God going to bring me a spouse or whatever, pursue Jesus with everything you have, then see who keeps up with you. Someone keeps up with you of the opposite sex, you say, hey, let's do this. Let's get married. That's my encouragement for you. So there's two dangers. Okay, last thing. Two dangers in dating that people come across as they're looking for a spouse. And I already kind of talked about this one, but the first one is some people settle. Some of you have settled for less than God's best. You know, you pick someone who doesn't treat you right, like your guy doesn't love Jesus or your girl doesn't love Jesus, as I already said. You know, your guy's not like really a good leader. He doesn't serve you. Or men, you've settled for girls who are not after God's heart. You've settled for a woman who's not on the same path as you just because you want to have a girlfriend or get married. So my encouragement for you is do not settle. Do not give in to the temptation to give yourself to someone that is not God's best. Okay, second thing is this. Some set the bar too high. This is the second danger. Some of you have crazy, unrealistic expectations for your future spouse. You know, growing up in the church, like there's girls I knew that had like lists of like, it's like, it's like all these things these guys have to have down to like, you know, the way they should look. You know, so guys and girls, don't have unrealistic expectations. You know, girls, you might say, hey, he's got to, you know, have a beard. He's got to have big guns. He's got to, you know, read the Bible 14 times in a year, buy me flowers every day. He's got to ride a horse, Prince Charming. He's got to be a worship leader, too. I mean, come on, seriously. <laughs> or 
Guys, you say, she's got to have a nice booty. She's got to have brown eyes. You know, she's got to cook. She's got to clean. She's got to be good with kids and so forth. The problem with some of these expectations is they take out the grace factor. Okay, Jesus looks at each of us and he says, you're more flawed than you could ever imagine, but at the same time, you're more loved than you could ever dream, and I'm going to pursue you for the rest of your life. Guys, we're called to have that kind of relationship in our marriages. We're not going to be perfect. So don't set unrealistic expectations. As I said, you've got to have the basics. Or the guy or girl better know Jesus. They better, they better know agape love. They better love you. Those kind of things. But don't have these unrealistic expectations. So look for someone who loves Jesus, who you're attracted to, and who you can build a friendship with, and who you admire, and then ultimately someone who you could lay your, or lay your life down for. So worship team, if you could come up, we're going to close. <coughs> So the main idea tonight is this. If, if you want to have a healthy marriage in the future, then you need to date according to God's design now. I get that this message was very, very, very specific. And if this is your first time, we don't talk about this every week. It's once a year, and you happen to come on Valentine's Day. So you kind of had it coming. Uh, but uh, you know, we typically talk about just loving Jesus, reading our Bibles, that kind of stuff. But tonight, I felt like it was appropriate to talk about this because we need to learn how to date. You know, even if the message didn't really, like, like, the dating idea doesn't really sit well with you, whatever, I don't believe that anyone's here by accident. I just don't believe that. I believe everyone who comes to Chi Alpha on a Tuesday night that God has ordained for you to come. Some of you might only come one time and you never come back. That makes me sad because I see your name on the list, the connect card, or then I never see you again. Okay, so come back. But anyways, uh, but God had a reason why he brought you here tonight. So I pray. Actually, I'm just going to pray right now. I'm just going to pray. pray loud here. I just want to pray. So Holy Spirit, make our hearts sensitive it's for whatever you want to say in these last few moments we have together. God, I feel like you have a, a specific message or encouragement for each person in this room. I pray that even if the dating stuff is completely like, what are we talking about? I pray that you would speak to each person and if they don't get anything else, that they would get that you love them so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So if you're single tonight and you want to find a spouse, then I believe that God is calling you to prepare for that, to, to make hard decisions now that sets you up for future success. So don't try to make every guy or girl into the potential one. Don't be looking for your spouse behind every bush. Like, that was me, like, looking behind every bush. Is that my spouse? You know, a girl came into Kyle, is that my spouse? No, don't do that. But instead, pursue Jesus and see who keeps up with you, as I said. If you're dating someone tonight, I believe that God is calling you into health. As I prayed over our group and I've sought God about this message series, I just feel like God wants to call our couples into some health. I don't know what it is for each of you, but I just know we date so poorly in our culture. So I pray tonight that God would call you to repentance, that God would call you to make hard decisions now that have long-term implications that are going to benefit you. I pray that you wouldn't live for the short term. And I pray that if your relationship is not from Jesus, that you would cut it off. I pray that you would honor God in your relationship. If you're married in here, I just want to encourage you. God is calling you to date your spouse, to pursue them, to love them with the sacrificial love, to go the extra mile, to do everything you can to serve them.
And if you want to be single forever, it's a good thing. Take these principles so you can go help someone else. God calls us to equip people. Sometimes you listen to messages so that you can go and equip other people. So I pray that as a group, we would equip others to date well. Even if you're not dating right now, like you would help other people to date in a healthy way so that they don't make poor decisions. If you're thinking about everything that you've done wrong tonight, if you feel guilty as you think about your sin and how you just you know, blew it in your dating relationships, if you wish you could have a do-over, you know, the reality is, is you can't erase what's happened in the past, but Jesus can forgive you of anything and he can always give you a fresh start. Jesus can forgive you. He will forgive you. He can set you on a new path. He can set you up to have the marriage that he designed you for. I'll be honest with you guys, I was not sexually pure before marriage. Like not like in the least bit. But God redeemed me. He forgave me. And on my wedding day, like I didn't have any regrets. Obviously, I would change the things I did. But I knew that Jesus had just washed me white as snow. That's available to you. I made so many poor decisions. I was addicted to pornography. I do things with girls that weren't even my girlfriend, let alone, you know, my girlfriend. Like I made terrible decisions. Me and Emily weren't perfect. But God redeemed us. We kept repenting. We kept pursuing him. And guys, on our wedding day, we were able to have no regrets and to feel just white as snow, just like the wedding dresses. I pray that each of us, not because we're perfect, but because we're grounded in the cross of Christ, could stand on our wedding day and say, I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I repented when the Holy Spirit told me to. I made those hard decisions. 1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. On the cross of Jesus Christ, he showed us what true love is. It's not just butterflies in your tummy. It's not just a sexual love. It's, or it's not even a friendship love, but it's a sacrificial, holding nothing back. I'm all in. I'm fully committed to you type of love. Jesus gave his life so that the price of your sin could be paid. God wants a relationship with you, a relationship so much stronger than the human relationship of marriage. Guys, we've all made our fair share of mistakes, but Jesus is calling us to put our faith in the fact that he laid down his life for us tonight. So if you could stand with us, or stand with me. Let's make the kind of decisions that set us up for a better future. Let's say, let's say no to short-term pleasures for long-term gains. Let's be a people who make decisions that honor God. We do whatever it takes to honor God. Do whatever it takes to honor God. You'll never regret that. Jesus can heal you. Jesus can forgive you. You guys would bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray. There's two questions I want to ask tonight. The first one is this. If you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you want to put your faith in him and have, a, and have a relationship with him, I want to give you opportunity to do that. So if that's you, there's no one looking around. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, just raise your hand right now. Is there anyone in this room? All right, the second question is this. If you're in this room, it doesn't have to be sexual sin, but just any type of sin or, or, uh, or a mistake in your dating relationship, and you just want to give that to God tonight. You say, God, I repent. I want to do better in the future. I want to just honor you sexually. I want to honor you in my relationships. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand to heaven. All right, there's tons of hands going up in this room. 
All right, you can put those down. I'm going to pray for that. Jesus, I pray tonight that this would be a group of people who are so grounded in the gospel. They're grounded in your love. They're grounded in your forgiveness and your commitment to us. That in response to that, we go all in for you. God, we hold nothing back. We make hard decisions. We date in a way that's countercultural because we want to honor you with everything we have because we know that you laid down your life for us. Jesus, I pray that you would forgive us for our mistakes and our dating relationships. And I pray that you would help us to chart a better course in the future. God, we love you so much. We thank you for everything you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.